will to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to talk about armed and dangerous. Armed and dangerous. We want to talk about preparing for kingdom warfare. How many of you know that we're taught to fight a good fight? We're taught to fight a good fight. Anyone feel like that you're in a fight sometimes? Yeah, because there is uh, another world. There's an unseen realm that doesn't want us to finish the work God's called us to do. And we've got to press on and we've got to fight to the end. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is a popular passage. Starting in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, sometimes I read some of these verses and we're thinking, did you really have to put that in there? But how many of us try to be strong in ourselves, right? And sometimes we try to do it on our own power and our own might. But Paul reminds us here, he's saying, finally, last thing I got to tell you, when you're fighting the fight, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The writer in the Old Testament said it's not by... Might is not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You've got to remember, we're not doing this thing without him. Here's a little tidbit. When the enemy fights you, he's fighting your God. When the enemy shows up at your doorstep, he's showing up at God's doorstep. Because there's someone that lives inside of you that's backing you the entire way. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Not half of it, not some of it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice he's talking about lasting and outlasting. He's not even talking about victory in one sense. He's talking about this is how you make it to the end. This is how you finish. This is how you outlast your enemy. Sometimes we take on an enemy that we've just got to outlast them. We've just got to stand longer than they stand. We've just got to be the last man standing. And so he says, put on the whole armor that you'll be able to stand. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand, therefore. I mean, look at how many times he's talking about standing. He's talking about being in a fixed position. So there's only two options. You can stand or you can sit down. What a, what a shame it is that we've done all to stand and then we sit. When you've done all to stand, go ahead and stand. When I have fought this hard to get to this point, to be the last one standing, I'm going to finish to the end, and I'm going to be the last one standing. I'm not going to sit down. This isn't time to lie down. This is time to finish. So stand, therefore, having girded your waist about with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication 
for all the saints. And that's where I want to finish off real quick. So we are listing that there is an armor to put on. You don't need armor if there isn't a fight to fight. You don't need armor if you're not needing to be protected against something. You don't need armor if you're not going somewhere that is dangerous. But know this, that just because you've been sent into dangerous territory doesn't mean you're supposed to lose. We're supposed to overcome. We're supposed to win. Now, the battle takes place somewhere. And he noted here that the battle doesn't take place in flesh and blood. We're not fighting uh, against flesh and blood. It's not taking place in this natural realm. I know some of you might disagree with me and say, I don't know. There's some people that are coming against my life that I feel like I am battling. But there's a spirit behind it. There's another realm. There's principalities and powers and mights and dominions of uh, another realm that's behind that situation. So it's not in the flesh. So where is this battle at? Where are we fighting this battle? The battlefield is in your mind. The battlefield is in your head. And if you can whip the devil in your mind, you'll whip the devil in your life. If you can whip the devil in your thinking, he won't have any dominion or control in your life. You've heard me say many times that if that, that I can't take you anywhere, I can't get your mind first. I can't change your finances unless I change the way you think about finances. I can't change your marriage unless I change the way you think about marriage. I can't change your health unless I change the way you think about sickness and disease. So if you want to overcome anything in life, you have to first overcome it in your mind. Now go to Colossians. Or I'm sorry, go to Philippians. Go to Philippians first. Now here's the thing. If the battlefield is in the mind, and this is going to surprise you, this may shock you, but that means that the enemy has no access to your life. Well, devil, he tried to put sickness and disease on me. No, he got you in your mind first. Well, the devil's really attacking my finances right now. No, he got you in your mind first. The enemy cannot attack any area of your life without first attacking your mind. If you open up the door in your mind, you open up the door to your life. If you lock up your mind and keep it guarded and protected, the enemy has no access to your life. He can never go past or go around your mind. He must first go through your mind. This is the battlefield. This is where the battle takes place. And so this is the area that we're going to focus on today. If we're armed and dangerous, we have to understand that the arming, the preparation has to be in our mind, not in our life. 
if we're going to guard ourselves, if we're going to protect ourselves, it has to be in our mind. Now, we listed off quite a few pieces of armor. We said, gird your waist with truth and shod your feet, the preparation of the gospel of peace, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. What Paul is listing is he is listing areas in your mind that you need to guard and be guarded. What he's saying is, is you need to get a clear definition of salvation in your mind. You need to know what, sal- what salvation is and how it works. You need to know what righteousness is and how righteousness works. You need to know how truth is and how it works in your mind. He's giving us areas in our mind that if we guard and protect our mind in those areas, the enemy will not have access. Any area that you do not gain access to in your mind in those areas, you are susceptible to an attack of the enemy. You're vulnerable. You've left an open door. You could know about salvation and you can know about truth and you can know about righteousness, but you may not know a whole lot about faith. And so this doorway back here is open and susceptible and vulnerable to an attack of the enemy. He's not saying literally go out and buy pieces of armor. He's saying get guarded and protected in your mind. Look what Philippians chapter 4 verse says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now look at the next verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now this word guard is actually a Greek term, and it's a military term. And it's to denote standing having someone standing watch outside the city on guard of any attack that may come. You know that your heart and your mind are to be guarded. One of the most dangerous things in the world today is an unguarded heart and an unguarded mind. We leave them open and we leave them susceptible and vulnerable to an attack of the enemy. And really, it's not so much the devil's fault, it's our fault for leaving something open. Not so much the devil's fault, the thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, but we are always given an opportunity to shut him out every time. But we've got to be on guard. We've got to have someone standing outside the gate keeping watch. Can't get tired, can't fall asleep. You know, the military, when they, when they put them out there, they put them out in shifts. And they go out there for a certain time, and the entire time they're there, there's no falling asleep. There's no getting distracted. distracted. There's no getting unfocused and forgetting why you're there. No, you are there for one purpose, to stand guard and to watch. And until your time is up, that's all you do. And so there's this guarding that has to take place of our minds. There's this protection that has to take place. We have to be guarding. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We have to have our minds guarded. 
We have to have our minds protected. Now watch this. If you don't want to give something access to your life, then don't give it access to your mind. Anything that has access to your thought life has an access to your physical life. Anything you dwell on in your mind will show up in your life. If you dwell on lack and you only think poverty and you only think barely making it or not making it and, 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 and always in lack and always wanting for something, that will be viewed through your life. It'll show up. If you're always thinking sickness and disease and I don't have, uh, I, I don't have any way out and I'm just going to live with this pain, I'm going to live with this hurt, I'm going to live with this disease, then that's going to show up in your life. Anything you give access to in your mind, you give access to in your life. It will show up. They're connected. But it works the other way as well. Anything you shut out of your mind will not show up in your life. You know, there in Philippians chapter 4, if you keep on going, Paul actually tells us what to think on. He says, brethren, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, think on these things. I don't know about you, but I want good reports in my life. I want nobleness to show up in my life. I want truth to show up in my life. I want the peace of God to show up in my life. So you know what? I have to give access to those things in my mind so that they'll show up in my life. Doesn't show up without first going through my thought life. So look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind. Whose responsibility is it to set the mind? Ours. It's our responsibility. Every day we should be identifying what our mind is set on. Now this word set means to be in a fixed position, immovable, unshaken, fixed. No matter what comes, I'm set. No matter what comes contrary to what I'm thinking and what I'm believing, I, I'm not moving. I'm immovable. I'm unshaken. Nothing can get me off of my course. Nothing can get me off of this thought process. I'm thinking and I am set in healing. And so sickness and disease cannot change my thoughts. But see, what we do is we don't guard. We don't protect. And so we become movable we become wavering we doubt and healing can't have its work because we've allowed access to something that's contrary to it prosperity can't have its work because we've been thinking poverty that's not a mind that's set that's not a mind that's fixed that's not a mind that is stayed in one position and no matter what comes no matter what may come against our life, no matter what trial, no matter what we may go through, we are stayed in one position. He's saying, set your minds on things above, 
not on things of the earth. It's our responsibility to set our minds. It's our, it's our responsibility to choose what we think on and then get everything else out. Don't let it in. Stay fixed. So go over to uh, 1 Samuel. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to see two examples of people that had their minds fixed on something. I'm going to tell you right now, what you fix your mind on, what you set your mind on, determines your outcome. What you put your mind on determines the results of your life. It always starts in the mind. Again, the enemy, the devil, has no access to any part of you if you don't think in line with it. And if you can whip it in your mind, you can whip it in life. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is the popular story of David and Goliath. And when we show up here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that there's a giant named Goliath that is tormenting and calling out the Israelites. Now, the Israelites were God's people specifically. This wasn't just a a group of people that keeps showing up in the Bible. These were God's people, God's promised children, which means that the other nations were not. They were not in covenant with God. Covenant means to be in in a binding pact, an agreement with someone, and if you do your part, they will do their part. And so they were God's covenant people. How many of you know that God wants to take care of his children? How many of you know that God wants to take care of his people? He wants to bless his people. And so here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have another nation, another group of people called the Philistines. The Philistines who were haters of God's people, hated the Israelites. They were one of the most dominant enemies of God's people throughout the entire Old Testament. They kept showing up. They just kept reoccurring. I mean, they showed up over in Exodus when they were wandering around the wilderness, and then they finally get into Canaan. There's Philistines in there, and then they just, these things keep showing up. You may remember that Samson fought off the Philistines. This enemy of God, an enemy of God's people, keeps showing up. And so look at verse 10, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And the Philistines said, this is Goliath, they had a secret weapon. A nine-foot-tall giant named Goliath who brought fear into everybody. And so this giant is basically calling him out in the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Where have we seen those two words, afraid and dismayed? You may remember when Joshua took over the Israelites after Moses died. 
and the torch was passed, and Joshua did in three days what it took Moses to do 40 years, he said, get up, we're going into the promised land. But that was because of a command that God gave to Joshua, and he told Joshua, do not be afraid, nor dismayed. How many times did God tell his people these words? How many times did he tell them, I will never leave you nor forsake you? How many times were they told, I'm on your side. If they come against you, they're coming against me. And I will back you up every time. I will go before you. I will fight for you. How many times did he tell his people this? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. So one man shows up starts taunting and defying Israel, God's people, and they are what? Afraid and dismayed. Exactly what God said they don't need to be. And so this right here reveals what they were fixed in. Remember, your life reveals your your thought process. Your natural life will reveal your thought life. I can tell what you're thinking by the way you talk by the way you act, and by the way you respond. These are not a people that were reflecting on what God had said. These were not a people that had been thinking, you know what, we're God's people. And he said that he would go before us. He said that he would fight for us. And so this, this giant, this giant's got nothing on us. This is not that people. This is a people that were fixed in their minds of fear, of failure, and defeat. They were fixed in their minds. Go down to verse 22. Now we see a young man show up. His name is David. And verse 22 says, And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brother. Who can tell me what David did by trade? What what was David? A shepherd. A shepherd boy. No training in fighting. He's not a warrior. Yet we've got trained men. Men that have been naturally trained to fight in battle. That are afraid and dismayed. Well, now we see this young shepherd boy show up. Has no training in warfare. He knows how to take care of sheep. But there's something that David's been doing that these other men haven't been doing. We have a book in the Bible called Psalms, written mostly by David, because David did something that we need to do a lot, and he spent time with his father, his heavenly father. You know, the more time you spend with your father, the more faith and trust you'll have in him. The Israelites were a people that didn't spend a whole lot of time with God. In fact, if you read in the book of Joshua and the book of Judges, you'll find that they were a people that consistently ran away from God, consistently went after distractions in the world rather than staying fixed on their king and the commands that their king had given. They were constantly going after other gods and other idols and women from other nations and started taking on the traditions of other nations. 
We do it too. We're in this world and we start going after the idols and the distractions of this world rather than remembering that we're from heaven. We have been sent here to the earth with a mandate. We've been sent to the earth with an assignment and a mission to change this territory. But instead, a lot of us just become like it. So the Israelites were not a people that stayed in great communication with their God. They were not a people that stayed close to him and knew his heart and and knew what he wanted them to do. But David did. David stayed close to his king. David stayed close to his heavenly father. In verse 23, then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath-Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, and David heard them. But now watch, David will have a completely different response than the whole rest of the army. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that... The man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Yeah, that sounds, that's a good incentive, right? Not good enough because no one stepped out. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, watch this, that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, David has no training, no battle experience. He's not a warrior. He's a shepherd. Hasn't been taught to fight. Hasn't been taught how to use a sword or a shield or wear armor. Has no preparation in that. But he hung on to the one thing that all the rest of them forgot. See, sometimes when we grow confident in our own ability to do something, we become lax in relying on God to see us through. And they had forgotten that It wasn't our shields that saved us. It wasn't our swords that killed those enemies. It wasn't uh, our spears and, and all the training and all the fighting that we've done. It was our God that saved us. It was our God that got us through. It was our God that went before us and fought for us. They were relying on their own natural abilities. But David learned to rely on something else. And he said, who is this Philistine? Who is this man? Uncircumcised, what's he saying? Is not in covenant with my father. He's identifying that this man has no business talking to us like this. This man doesn't realize that he's not just fighting us. He's fighting God. David had to remind himself, and David had to remind the men. Skip on down to verse 31. 
Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for them, sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. When you trust in God, you'll find yourself in situations you don't belong in. When you have faith in God, you will volunteer for assignments that naturally you have no ability to overcome. That's what a trust in God will do. That's what faith in God will do. God will, will, will send you in places that naturally you have no business being. But God loves to show out. God loves to show himself strong, show himself faithful. And if I have to take a shepherd boy that has no training, has no fighting experience, doesn't even know how to use a warrior's equipment, then I'll show myself strong. I'll show myself through one that knows how to tend gently the sheep. And I'll use him to take down the fiercest of enemies. Because ultimately, all that God is looking for is someone that will have a mind fixed on him. And David remained fixed. Now he has a conversation with Saul. Let's keep going here. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a... man of war from his youth. Sometimes when you step out on God's promises, other people will try to rule out why you can't do it. They'll try to define why you're not able to overcome. They'll try to put you in a box and put you in natural limitations. But you got to remember, I'm not going by myself. I'm going because my God has sent me and he's going with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And David doesn't let anybody stop him because David's not about to let someone talk about his God that way. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Doesn't start out real good. (laughs) That's not really, but no, listen, I used to take care of sheep. And that qualifies you. But he keeps going. Thank goodness he didn't stop there. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Again, what's he doing? He's reflecting on God's faithfulness. Look at what God has done for me before. I mean, he just goes ahead and puts the Philistine, he goes ahead and puts Goliath in a category with a lion and a bear. He says, I've taken the lion, I've taken the bear, and my God will strengthen me and empower me and equip me to fight against this man also. Resilience. He's not giving up. He's not quitting. 
Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord, the same Lord that was on Saul's side, the same Lord that any soldier in that army had access to. But David is the only one in this entire bunch that has kept his mind fixed on the Lord. The only one that set his mind and said, I'm not moving. I'm not shaking. I don't care what comes against me. They're not talking about me. They're talking about my God. And just as I, just as he strengthened me to take on a lion and a bear and he equipped me in those times, he's going to strengthen me this time. Any one of them could have said, the Lord is on our side. But only David rises up. Only David reflects. Only David took the time to reflect on God's faithfulness and remember his promises and remember that, wait, this is the God that said, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For I, the Lord, am with you. The only one. You know, righteousness will stand all by itself. David didn't need anyone to say, all right, who's with me? David doesn't even wait and he doesn't even do like one of those big brave heart speeches. He does it. Freedom! He doesn't even get in front of the people. He says, get out of the way. I'll take care of this myself. I got this. Because my God has this. Go on down to verse 39. David fastened his sword. Saul, you know, it, it just shows Saul's mindset. All right, you're going to go. Here's my shield. Here's my breastplate. Here's my sword. Take all this. But look what David, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. I haven't tested them. Saul grew to a point where he only relied in his own natural ability and the natural things that were given to him to be able to overcome in a fight. And he's trying to put his equipment on someone else. And David says, I can't use these. They haven't been tested. But David relied on something far greater and something that he had tested many times. I'm going to tell you right now, God's word has been tested time and time again. And God's word has come true time and time again. When the bank account fails you, when the loan fails you, when the doctors fail you, when the medications fail you, when the friends that you have fail you, when the job and the career fail you, you've got something that's been tested and tried time and time again. And it came through before and it will come through for you. Learn to rely on the one thing that will never fail. 
when armor can't keep you anymore, learn to gird yourself up and build yourself up with something that will never let you down. David is practically going out with nothing that would naturally keep him safe and naturally help him fight. But one thing, one word from God is greater than anything you can naturally get your hands on. One word from God about your finances is greater than any loan you can ever get. One word from God uh, about your health is greater than any doctor, the most expensive doctor, the strongest medication that you could find. One word from God about peace is greater than any friend that you could try to become a companion with to help you get through tough times. One word from God is all you need. And so verse 40 says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword, with the spear and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He reminds his enemy. He's speaking directly to him. He says, you think you got all this stuff. You think you're powerful. You think you're bad, but you haven't just taken me on. I hope that your armor and your weapons are strong enough to take on my God because he's going to defeat you today. You got your sword. You got your shield. You got your javelin, but that's not going to be strong enough to defeat my God. On the outside, it may not look like I've come well prepared. On the outside, it may not look like I've done my homework. On the outside, it may not look like I've received enough training to take you on. But you're not just taking me on. You're taking on my God. And he helped me take down a lion. He helped me take down a bear. He, he, he cured me when I was on the deathbed. He brought me through financially when I lost my job. He was my friend when nobody else was found to be around. And he'll come through again. When's the last time you reminded your enemy of God's faithfulness? When's the last time you talked to the thing that's coming against you and you reminded them of the last time something tried to come against you? We're so easy to forget. We're like the armies of Israel that we only picture the enemy in front of us and we never remember the battles we've won that are behind us. I don't want to be like the armies of Israel. I want to be like David. And I can stand out there and I can look like I haven't done my homework. And people around me say, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're taking on? You got you to gotta take that medication. You, you, you're going to need you're gonna need some financial help. You've got to find a job. You, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And I'm standing out there saying, I have God on my side. And I'm more prepared than any natural thing that could ever come against me. David knew, I am more equipped than that giant that's coming to me right now. 
he knew, standing out there with five rocks and a stick, that he was going to win. He wasn't guessing. He wasn't walking up there uh, afraid and his legs shaking. No, he was running towards the giant and talking to it the entire time. Go to verse 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is whose? The Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Fear turned. Fear left the armies of Israel and went to the other camp. David ran after his enemy, not away from his enemy. It's time we stop running away from enemies and it's time we start going after them. Jesus said the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We are not here trying to save the little bit of territory that we have for the kingdom of God. We are here to advance and take territory from the enemy and make it the kingdom of God. This is one of the most epic battles in the Bible. It's one of the greatest moments that a shepherd boy that doesn't look well equipped, that doesn't look like he's got it all together on the outside, shows up and defeats the greatest warrior of the greatest enemy Israel ever knew. These Philistines were no joke. This giant was no joke. But my God is no joke. And when you get your mind fixed, because here's the key. Here's the key. David didn't defeat Goliath by throwing a stone through his head and chopping it off. David defeated Goliath in his mind way before he ever charged that giant. David already had Goliath whipped in his mind. He didn't listen to what the giant was saying and get moved. He didn't see a sword and a spear and a javelin and a shield and get moved. He didn't see a man that was nine feet tall and get moved. He didn't hear what the giant had to say 
and get moved. He didn't look around him and see all of his own people in fear, afraid, people that are trained. I mean, how would you like to take a plane, get dropped in Iraq or Afghanistan, and find all of our military hiding from the enemy? The ones that are trained and equipped and strengthened to take these guys on. And they're saying, we don't know what to do. But David was fixed in his mind. He set his mind not on things of the earth, but on things above. He set his mind on his God's faithfulness. He set his mind on the times that God came through for him. He set his mind on his times when God showed himself strong in his life. He set his mind on God's word that says, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. I will fight your battles for you. And so when he shows up to Goliath, he's only reminding Goliath of what his God has already told him. This battle isn't mine. This is the Lord's battle. It's hard to remind your enemies of something that you've already forgotten. It's hard to remind your enemies of something that we haven't set our minds on ourselves. But he set his mind. He fixed his mind. Chase, if you would come. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This isn't a natural battle. This isn't natural warfare that we're coming against. This isn't a, a, a natural thing. This is, we're not up against flesh and blood. The devil attacks in our minds. The devil attacks in our thought processes. He has no access to your life. Anxiety, fear, worry, sickness, poverty, lack. They've got no access to your life if you can shut it out of your mind. So here's what we got to do. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down. Pulling down. Some of us, we just haven't put up a fight in our minds. Some of us, we've just let thoughts run rampant. Some of us, we have been overcome in our life because we've been overcome in our mind. But the weapons that we have, they're not carnal, but they're mighty. In who? In God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you want to get the good thoughts in, you've got to get the bad thoughts out. 
If you want to start overcoming in your life, you've got to start overcoming in your mind. You have to start winning the battle in your mind every day. Every day. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you now, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want your life transformed, you have to transform your thinking. If you want your life changed, you've got to get a mind change. You will go nowhere if you don't think it first. We have the responsibility to set our mind. We have the responsibility to renew our mind. We have the responsibility to think in line with the word of God every time. Get in his word. Study his word. Speak his word. Believe his word. Confess his word. And renew your mind to his word. Without transformation, we're only conforming. David had an opportunity. I can conform to the army that's around me, that's dwelling in fear. Or I can stay fixed in the mind that I have renewed to God's word. No, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the Psalms with him to remind him. He was busy writing them. But he had heard the word of God passed down over and over and over, generation after generation after generation. He knew the stories of Samson, the stories of Gideon, the stories of Joshua, the stories of Moses, the stories of Abraham, people that had showed themselves faithful to God's word. And God protected them. God took care of them. God came through for them every time. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning that you are a God that's on our side. You're a God that's stronger than anything that we could ever come against. You are greater. You are stronger. You are mightier. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing too great for you. Father, we repent this morning, right now, for not placing our trust and our faith in you. We repent right now for focusing more on the problem than we have on the solution. Tonight, this morning, Father, forgive us for not remaining fixed on your word, for not setting our minds on your word, for not transforming our minds to your word. Father, we ask today 
for renewed minds, renewed thinking. We set ourselves from this day forth to think differently. You promised that if we would think different, we would live different. If we could change the way we think, we can change the way we live. So, Father, we choose to think on your word. We don't look at the giant that's talking to us. We don't look at the giant that looks to be in the natural, stronger and mightier than we, but we are strong in the Lord and the power of your might. Father, we thank you that you live in us and we are now identified in you, in Christ. That is our position in the kingdom of God. Father, we value your word. We give attention to your word. We love your word. Your word will get us through. Your word will see us through. Right now, I just feel unction with every eye closed. If that's you, if, if you have been giving your mind access to something other than the word of God, right now where you're at, the first step you need to do is you need to repent. The word repent doesn't mean to come down to the altar and, and ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life. The word repent means to literally Change your thinking. That's what repentance means. Change your thinking. Right now, you need to ask God to help you change your thinking. Right where you're at, say, Father, help me change the way I think. Help me change my mentality. Help me to change my focus. Help me to get my mind set on you and set on your word. I don't want to give more attention to the problem than I do the solution. I don't want to give more thought to the attack. But I want to be prepared and I want to be strengthened to fight back. No longer will I rely on my natural ability. No longer will I rely on my own uh, instincts and my own ability to fight something off. Maybe you've been putting your trust in the bank. Maybe you've been putting your trust in your job. Maybe you've been putting your trust in your finances. Maybe you've been putting your trust in doctors. Maybe you've been putting your trust in friends and family. But today we've got to learn to put our whole solid faith and trust in our God. He's the only one that will come through every time. And Father, you will get all the glory. You will get all the praise. Today we honor you. Today we magnify you. Today we lift you up. You are bigger than our problems. And you're just looking for someone that will trust in your word and be obedient. We trust in you. We trust in you. We trust in you.
I will trust in you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit work right now. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit work. He's working right now. He's working on hearts. He's working on minds. He's revealing to you right now what you've been putting trust in. He's revealing to you right now what you've been thinking on, what you've been allowing your mind to process on a regular basis. Hallelujah. 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 Just let him work on your mind. Just let him work. Look, if you were at the doctor, you'd let him work. If you were at the bank, you would let them work. Just let him work on you. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you for We thank you Father for all your promises, all your blessings. We renew our minds to your word today. The next days that follow, we're going to continue to renew our minds to your word. We thank you that we will see your promises come to pass in our life. We will see your blessings take place in our life. Not because of anything we've done. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by your spirit. It's by your spirit. We thank you for this word today. I thank you for every person here under the sound of my voice. And that as we apply this word... It will bring about change in our lives. We thank you for this today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.